I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Donald Trump to my Joe Biden. It's Justin Peach. Good afternoon. I'm glad there was an election reference in there. Topical. That's what we go for on the Second (laughs) Tier. Justin, how's it going? Are you looking forward to Bonfire Night? I didn't realise it was a fifth today, I'll be honest with you. Mm, I was the same until people were letting off fireworks last night, even though it wasn't Bonfire Night, uh, which I always enjoy. I hate Bonfire Night. I really hate Bonfire Night. It's too loud, isn't it? I I just don't really see the point in fireworks. I I hate to start off this podcast on a misery (laughs) note, but I I really just don't get the point in fireworks. If they're like part of an organised event, I'd understand it. But when people are letting them off in the back gardens, I don't really get it. It it is a bit pointless, quite frankly, and loud and disruptive. they're, They're expensive as well. And they're expensive and they disturb pets. And we don't like that here on the second tier. No, we don't. We like no, our we pets don't. to be nice and sound. Anyway, Justin, speaking of fireworks, there are plenty of fireworks going off in the championship this week. Loads of shocking results around again. Uh, we'll start off with probably one of the games that just highlights the unpredictability of the championship. It's Wednesday 1, Bournemouth nil. Wednesday, four straight losses prior to this game, most recently against windless Wickham. They come up against a Bournemouth side, unbeaten this season, a squad full of Premier League players, and turn them over. And they deserved yeah. it as well, didn't they? They did, they did, they did deserve the win. Um, and it's, it's an, it was an interesting game going into it. I don't think either team was necessarily in good form. Obviously, Wednesday's form was terrible. Bournemouth was, you know, it was flatlining a bit, wasn't it? Not as good as it should be. Exactly. Um, but what a win for Wednesday. And obviously, with the news of the, the points deduction being reduced... It was a very good night for Wednesday and Gary Monk. Yeah, an enjoyable 24 hours for Wednesday fans. Absolutely. Um, the playoff dream is still alive, Justin. <laughs> I, it never died, Ryan. It never died. <laughs> uh, I, had look, I had a look to see what uh, Wednesday fans were saying about this result. And a lot of them were saying, well, this buys Monk a few more weeks. Uh, very cynical. Uh, but for him personally, he needs to build on this in this game. The players look like they actually wanted to play for him, didn't they? Which is mm-hmm. something that we couldn't have said for the past couple of weeks. No, you're right. And it maybe was highlighted in that red card with um, Kadeem Harris just because when players are fired up, they do stupid things. And obviously when you're trying to see out the game with, with a 1-0 win, um, you know, your mind goes and it was it was shit housed a bit by Lerma, but I think that those sorts of things typify that players are starting to play for you, which is 
different for other teams you've seen we'll get onto it but Derby for example on the other side of the spectrum where players don't look like they're playing for him well Bournemouth boss Jason Tyndall's comments were very interesting after the game he said I felt there was one team fighting for their lives tonight and there was another that turned up and thought their ability would be good enough to win the game and it's kind of what we've been saying for the past couple of weeks about Bournemouth Mm -hmm. and Watford isn't it because in terms of the talent in their squads they're probably the best in the league But it's all about getting the most out of that talent and from a manager's perspective, how much the players want it. No, definitely. It's it's not an easy thing to do, but I'm glad Jason Tindall's pointed it out. Um, You know, as I mentioned, Bournemouth's form has flatlined a bit, could be better, but it could be worse. But it's just, you know, it's just one win in six now for them and the goals have dried up as well. It's just four, four goals in those six games and that's not good enough for a team with the quality that they possess. Yeah. When you've got players like King... Uh, David Brooks, Dan Juma, that shouldn't really be happening, should it? They should be no. going into these games and really taking a stranglehold of it. But it's not happened here. And as, as you just said, it's not happened for the past couple of games now. I do think their quality should shine through mm-hmm. um, eventually, whether it results in them getting back to the Premier League. We'll have to wait and see. An update on the situation regarding Jason Tyndall wearing a shirt and tracksuit bottoms. Um, there is no update. I've been trying to track down images of when the alleged incident occurred and couldn't find anything, which is very disappointing. Uh, I'll look to provide an update in Sunday's episode, though. Good, good. Birmingham away for Bournemouth at the weekend. Uh, Top of the table, Reading lost their second consecutive game, this time against Preston. 3-0 they lost. Uh, Justin, your thoughts on this game, please. Why do you go straight to me? Are you are you gearing up for something here? Um, yeah, I'm going to make a point. <laughs> okay, fine. That's fine. Um, it's it was a weird game because Preston turned into prime Barcelona away from home, and Reading, Reading did what they haven't been good at. They created a lot of chances. Declan Wood was very busy, made five saves, made five good saves, um, and I thought Reading uh, were unfortunate at times as much as Preston might have been fortunate at times. Um, I thought Tom McIntyre had a terrible game at centre-half for Reading. Maybe handed Preston the game or tried tried his best to hand Preston the game at times. Um, but yeah, it's a, it was a strange game in that sense. And I, he did, I didn't see the 3-0 coming, especially with you know Preston's form coming into the game. Just a reminder, Tom McIntyre was the Reading player who tweeted XG after they after won a couple time. of weeks ago. And um, I, I, I think that was a dig at us. Maybe. Or, I can't. I can't remember anyone else particularly having a go at them for the XG stats. But nonetheless, uh, anything I say here is going to make me sound smug, Justin. So I may as well just <laughs> say it. Uh, I, had, I had my doubts about Reading being able to maintain a good start to the season, and they've started to show that they won't in these past couple of games. We won't get carried away because it is just two losses. But the big concern for me is defensively, because defensively they were great in their first few games, uh, and then. In the Blackburn game last week, I said that game showed to me that they could be got at defensively. And Reading fans were amazed that I said that. And then since then, they've conceded six in two games. And they could have conceded more against Preston on Wednesday night. Uh, Their ridiculously clinical finishing wasn't there either. So what can I say, apart from on the basis of these two games, I'm right so far. Uh, It doesn't get any easier for Reading either. Stoke, Bournemouth, Millwall are the next three and they need to get their defensive stability back because uh, if they have any chance 
of them getting results. We've established this so far. It's based on them being defensively sound because they're not that good going forwards. Um, but Preston, as you mentioned, prime Barcelona when they're away from home. Um, how they can be so good away from home and then so bad at home doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Mm. It is truly sensational. Uh, the thing is, even if they were just slightly all right at home, they'd probably be in the playoffs right now or maybe even yeah. in the top two, wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. No, I, I put that in my notes. You know, if they sort the home form out, it changes the dynamic of the season, which is why I've said to them that until it's sorted out, they're a mid-table team. Um, yeah. uh, you know, it might seem harsh, but they lost all the home games so far, and you know, their their waveform has been incredible. One thing I want to point out is what a what a player that uh, what a player Jakobsen looks like, by the way. I thought he was an all-action number nine against Reading. Um, you know, he had 47 touches. He won four headers. He seems to be that missing link for Preston. Obviously, he rounded off with a goal as well. So, really looking forward to seeing how he progresses throughout the season. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see to see if he's the goal scorer yeah. that Preston um, have been wanting. In terms of the style of striker, he's spot on, Perfect. isn't he? Because Perfect. for an Alex Neal striker, he's just a big shit house, isn't he? Up front. Um, but fair play to Preston here. They were superb going forwards. I thought Potts was brilliant as well. But Ryan Ledson, I thought, was different class. Not only did he give a class assist for your man Jakobsen. But... Whoa, 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 the tackle? No, that was Pearson. Oh, I thought it was Ledson. No, 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 no. You're getting your holding midfields mixed up, son. No. Uh, but he put in a class assist for Jakobsen, which was the ball over the top. Yeah. Um, and he broke up Reading's attacks constantly. And when you are in a midfield with Ben Pearson, it's easy for all the focus to be on him. But this season, I think Ledson's really stepped up to his levels and he keeps getting better and better. And now they don't have to rely on Pearson as much. So fair play to Ledson. These two in midfield next to each other, Justin. Oh, they're going to be so important to Preston this season. Um, now all they've got to do is sort out the home form and start moving up the table. But they are away again on Saturday against Rotherham. This isn't a betting podcast, Justin. But Preston, 7-5. to five. That's all <laughs> I'm saying. Uh, Derby now have had their worst start to a season since that Premier League season after losing 1-0 to QPR on Wednesday night. It was a shocking performance from the Rams, wasn't it, Justin? It was. <laughs> it really was. It was terrible. And the annoying thing is, Derby over the last uh, four games have been okay. They've been okay. They've they've led in three of those games. Probably should have seen the games out. Not quite happened for them. But they've created some chances. They've opened teams up and they've defended fairly well. For some reason, Philip Cocker went to a four at the back. And that ultimately, in my opinion, hurt Derby massively. Um, which is why I think Cocker is now on borrowed time. Yeah, I think the fans have lost patience. The results and performances aren't getting any better. And I think there's a fair argument now that there is there is time for a change. I think he's got to go, personally. The start has been appalling and the performances have been even worse. Um, can any Derby fan really say they've deserved a win in any game this season apart from the Forest match? Mm. I don't think you can. Um, sure, they start the season off with injuries, but now that they've got players back, it's not getting any better. Mm. And this is a talented squad, Justin. Uh, Justin. A really talented squad. And Koku should be doing a whole lot better. And I struggle to find any excuse for him staying now. Um, Before I let him off because of the injuries and because he was blooding in young players, but he looks to be taking the club backwards now. With the new owners potentially coming in 
I would be surprised if he survives the international break. It kind of depends on what the result will be against Barnsley this weekend because that's going to be massive. They need to massively improve for him to have any chance of staying. But as we know, the international break is usually a burial ground for managers, isn't it? As we saw with uh, Lamushi in the last international break. Speaking of managers who are under pressure though, Justin... Mark Warburton isn't one of them anymore because after a winless run of seven games, he's now got two wins in two. A superb turnaround for Mr. Warburton. It is. It is. And um, we know QPR have got that ability. Rob Dickey, for example, uh, has been a good player, but there have been times this season where he's Boy, he's been a bit a, a little bit suspect for me, but the whole back four as there are times where he's allowed the ball to bounce. Um, I think the the Cardiff game that was a, one of the examples at the weekend of that happening. Um, but he looked class uh, against Derby, and the strikers didn't really have a sniff. The goal came from him for some reason. Yozwiak dived out of the way of it and faded, um, feigned injury, but it was an absolutely perfect tackle and a perfect ball in for Macaulay Bond. Um, yeah, this 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 could be a turnaround for QPR because we've said that the squad is looking good. To sharpen up defensively and sharpen up in attack, they could be a really good team. Yeah, Dickey has made a world of difference to that defence, hasn't he? he has. They're still a bit shaky, but Dickey has probably been their player of the season so far, which says a lot. In fact, it says more about how bad defensively QPR were last <laughs> season because one player has come in and managed to make them look a lot better. Um, another game that went against the form table, Justin, was Cardiff against Barnsley. That finished 3-0, Harry Wilson amongst the goals. Now, prior to this game, Cardiff were without a win in four, whereas Barnsley won beaten in five. However, you wouldn't have guessed this from watching this game because Cardiff actually battered them here, didn't they? <laughs> They did. Um, and the thing is with Cardiff so far, they haven't been terrible. We look at teams like Derby and Forest. They've been pretty poor, you know, borderline terrible. Um, but it's just been lapses in concentration and poor organisation at times that's let them down. You look at the goals they've conceded from set pieces. Um, and that should reassure Cardiff and Neil Harris, or well, reassure the supporters and Neil Harris that this team can, can still kick on. Um, and you can say a you know, flattering scoreline has been coming. One win in six prior to this wasn't good enough but you know the inf- the important thing with this game is Cardiff kept clean sheet they didn't concede first and they put the chances away yeah they could have scored at least five here couldn't they yeah um, it was an incredible response to their bang average performance against QPR um, you were talking about how they've not they've had a pretty mediocre start to the season mm-hmm. they're still 13th which yeah. in my head it feels like Cardiff have actually had a really a much poorer start to the season than that and should be lower down but 13th yeah. kind of says a lot about how crazy the results in the championship are this season because teams no team can pick up a consistent run of results can they and then that means yeah. teams like Cardiff and Preston for example who are so inconsistent they're still managing to be quite high up in the table um, but talk about this game I don't think it's any coincidence that they looked better with Harry Wilson in the side he was phenomenal and he's such a good player Justin I mean you know that from being a Derby fan and having just that one player who can produce something out of nothing makes the side look so much better doesn't it and hopefully they'll kick on with him back now the seven side Derby Friday night Justin big game Big old game. Uh, after the match, Barnsley manager Valerian Ishmael said in his lovely voice, 
He said he was disappointed with the performance. It comes after two wins from his two games in charge before this game. He said tiredness was an issue, which is always going to be a problem, isn't it, when you play the way that Barnsley do with the press. Well, let's not forget as well the amount of games teams have played um, in succession as well, which is you know, quite like the times we're living in right now. It's unprecedented, you know, that we don't get this many um this many games in such in such a short space of time. Um and yeah, they came they came to an abrupt halt, crashed down to earth pretty quick. You know, it was it was a heavy defeat and a pretty poor performance. They rarely threatened Cardiff. Um but it should give uh, it should give Ismail some food for thought going forward. Yeah. They've got Derby at the weekend, which is a chance to bounce back, I think it definitely is. say. <laughs> Uh, Wickham won again Justin this time it was 2-1 against Birmingham Wickham are flying yeah no they are they are, they are flying um, and it, I mentioned it the weekend they're creating more chances um, they're giving themselves an opportunity to score goals um, you know and it's 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 working well for them at the minute they sacrificed the ball I wouldn't say they're really defensive but they are a defensive team but they're playing to their strengths they did it last season it worked for them and it's starting to work a little bit for them now um, just just one player to point out Akin Fenwa was a beast he won 21 headers Ryan which is surely that has to be a record it's definitely the most this season I think the most before this game was 14 and I think it was a Birmingham player shock it was Mark Roberts yeah yeah, um, which which shows you the type of game they, they you know, both teams play. Because <laughs> Djokovic was next with thirteen, I think. So there you go. Uh, but yeah, Akinfenwa, absolute beast, isn't he? Um, as I think everyone under the age of twenty five is aware from YouTube. <laughs> um, but yeah, seven points from their last three games. And the thing is, Justin Wickham, they've deserved those points as well, haven't they? And it's not a snatch and grab situation. They're genuinely deserving these results. Uh, it's crazy how much better they are now compared to a few weeks ago when they looked abhorrent when they lost to Blackburn 5-0, for example. Mm. And I was sat here questioning whether they'd win a game this season. However, I'm now sat here wondering whether they could actually stay up this season. Will, it they, all will they lose another game this season? Well, who knows? <laughs> uh, it all depends on whether they can maintain their good performances. Um, whether they can or not, who knows? But we'll get a Phil from the Wickham podcast ringing the blues on this weekend. See what he thinks about the turnaround in form. Either way, this was a good result. And it's clear to see the atmosphere in the Wickham camp is brilliant. Uh, you could see that in the winning goal because they celebrated like a bunch of mates who had just scored the winner mm. in a kickabout. It was really <laughs> nice to see. <laughs> Uh, but a disappointing performance for Birmingham after a couple of positive results. I know this shouldn't surprise me because we know what he's like, but Aito Karanka is such a negative manager, isn't he, Justin? Uh, every time Blues go a goal ahead, they just sit back. And I can't imagine it's particularly entertaining to watch, but Karanka's all about results, isn't he? Although, as we've seen a few times this season, it doesn't necessarily always work, does it? No, and obviously they, they make the match here with Wickham because they're a team that also sit back. So... I should have checked the passes out in this game because it would have been interesting to see who completed the most. You know, they're, they're similar styles of play. They both sacrificed the, sport, sacrificed the ball uh, and space and trying to hit on the counter. And I think Wickham were, were better at it, essentially. You know, they, they made they made Birmingham City have more of the ball, which might make them feel a bit uncomfortable because it's not something they do on the regular. Um, and obviously with, with back-to-back wins and then you're coming up against an informed team like Wickham, it, it was always going to be difficult. Um, but as you say, it was a poor performance and they should have at least seen the game out 
that pretty much rounds up that game and that rounds up the first half of the show. Let's have a little break, Justin. After that, we'll talk about Bristol City, Watford and Forest. It's a little known fact that when Justin and I record these shows, nine times out of ten, we're wearing a classic football shirt from years gone by. And where do we get them from? Classicfootballshirts.co.uk. In fact, as I record this, I'm wearing my PSG shirt with Thiago Silva on the back. Alternatively, I could have worn my Juventus shirt, Dortmund shirt, Blackburn shirt. I could go on. We're big fans of classic football shirts here because they offer you classic football shirts at a great price. And it's not just shirts either. Oh no, dear listener. There's also training wear, tracksuits, shorts, socks, you name it. And I can guarantee they'll have something for your club. So head on over to classicfootballshirts.co.uk or visit them in store in either London or Manchester. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Right, another result I don't think many people saw coming, Justin, was Bristol City beating Huddersfield 2-1. Bristol City's first win since their good start to the season came to an end. And it's just what you need before the seven-side derby on Friday night, Justin. Are you being paid to plug the seven-side derby this week? I'm being paid to talk about the championship and hype up the championship (laughs) as much as possible. Uh, What did you make of this game, Justin? Yeah, Bristol City needed that desperately, didn't they? Um, it's a first win in five. They look more assured defensively. Uh, and as well as that, they came back from a goal down, um, which shows a bit of character. And especially in the last 15 minutes, um, I criticised Taylor Moore at the weekend. He was dropped. Um, and, you know, it wasn't surprising. I think, and I say I hope, um, I think Naki Wells will be next. I think Semenya, when he's come on, has looked pretty sharp in games. And of course, he's he set the. Winner up, I think he had a shot that um, when it fell to Patterson, um, and obviously Patterson put it away, or it might have been JJ Silver because both goals were fairly similar. Um, but it was it was a big win for Bristol City and um, much needed. And obviously, they came up against a, a, a team that I rate highly in Huddersfield. The, uh, the you mentioned the second goal there, and it made me remember how crazy the second goal was because it was a goal mouth scramble and the ball was just bouncing around mm. the box for about a good thirty seconds at least. It was just pure craziness but you mentioned Naki Wells there and it surprises me how poor he's been this season because when you think of strikers at this level who you want to reliably score you goals Naki Wells is probably one of the names you'd have right up there but I saw a tweet asking Bristol City fans to rank their four strikers at the moment Wells, Semenyo, uh, Semenyo, Martin and Jeju and loads of them are putting Wells as their fourth choice which is mental. And this is Naki Wells we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a shame that Andy Vyman's been been in been ruled out for the season because I think although he's been playing central midfield when he was playing, him up front with Martin I think would have worked really, really well. They're two strikers that would complement each other, wouldn't they? Massively. One runs a lot, one doesn't. Yeah. Well, Semenyu, uh, Semenyu, I keep calling him Semenyu. Uh, Semenyu um, is looking really promising. He's always been someone who's been very highly rated. And the fact he's been making an impact when he has actually been mm-hmm. given minutes uh, is always a positive. Uh, we know Bristol City have a habit of being a bit streaky, Justin. Uh, they've had their winless run. And it'd be interesting to see whether they go on a winning run now, uh, continuing against Cardiff on Friday. Um, Huddersfield, I enjoyed Josh Caroma's goal because he pretty much had an open goal to aim at and smashed it into the top corner. 
more of that, please. Um, <laughs> but Huddersfield were the better team by all accounts for about 60 minutes of this match, but didn't yeah. create much apart from the goal. And now be the real concern for Carlos Corbran. They've had the majority of possession again and didn't do enough with it. And it's something that seems to happen a lot when Huddersfield lose. So it's something his side need to work on, isn't it? Yeah, he's a good enough coach. He's been been around for a short time in in a first team managerial position, but I rate him as highly as I do Huddersfield under him because you know the the transition from the the, the football Danny Cowley was playing, which wasn't bad football. It was it was, it was results football. Um, they've had to drastically change the style of play, uh, and what Carlos Corbrand's now starting to achieve at Huddersfield with the players he have with the players he has, which we've mentioned before, I don't think is nothing short of a massive achievement. Now, as you say, you know they need to create more chances, and that will come in time. They got good players like Karoma, who I'm going to put on record as to saying that I rated him very highly first before everybody jumps on the bandwagon. Um, and he, and you know he's got another goal, and he's starting to get the best out of players. He went with a three-four-three here, which is very forward-thinking when you think when you think about it. Um, and um, yeah, I think going forward, they they're going to get better. You know, they're going to be a few bumps along the way, but they're going to they're going to be a very good team in the future. I think any manager who manages to get their team going after losing a striker like Carlin Grant, who yeah. scored a ridiculously high percentage of their goals last season, I think you've got to give them credit, haven't you, at the end of the day? Um, mm-hmm. There was massive controversy in the game at Vickers Road between Watford and Stoke. Watford won 3-2, but one of their goals was a bit dodgy, Justin. Um, it's hard to explain for anyone who hasn't seen it, but I'll briefly explain it. Tom Cleverley has a shot. And then it's tipped onto the crossbar by the Stoke goalkeeper, Angus Gunn. And the ball has managed to bounce back onto the goal line. And it's just there, literally bouncing on the line. It's definitely not gone in. Uh, the goalkeeper runs back to pick it up. But as he does that, Watford's João Pedro barges into him and pushes him over the line. Then the referee gives it as a goal. Whether he thought the initial shot went over the line or not, I don't know. But with the benefit of replays, it's a shocking decision because it's clear that Angus Gunn would have not taken that over the line had it not, not been for the blatant barge by João Pedro. Um, search it out if you haven't seen it already. It's an awful decision. And it's one of those that makes the case again for VAR in the championship, Justin. I was literally going to say VAR. I stole your thunder. You know, I can't, I can't criticise the referees. It was a poor decision, but he, you know, the referee at that point is probably thinking, yeah, OK, it's crossed the line with the first shot, the initial shot. You know, when you've got the technology to rely on and it goes off immediately after, you're going to assume it's the first the first phase, which is obviously the ball bouncing on the line. Um, it shouldn't have been given. The linesman's got to help out there as well, I imagine, because he's going to see, he's going to have a good view of it, the whole situation. Um, but as you say, it just renews the case of VAR in the Championship. We'll never get it because it costs too much money. The clubs can't afford it in the Championship. Um and, and it's got uh, a fairly sketchy record in the Premier League as well. Uh, yeah, and it and it has a, a sketchy record in the Premier League. But you know, there are there are more cases for it than there are not for it in the Championship, especially because there's almost a, a brain drain, which is you know all the quality player, all the quality officials, they they get recruited quickly for the Premier League, and we're left with officials that probably aren't quite ready to step up yet. Um, I was just wondering if maybe his signal on his watch, maybe he thought his signal wasn't very good, so that's why it took a while for the result of the goal to come through. You ever thought about that? 
No. Does that make sense? What? No? <laughs> Wi-Fi is bad at Watford. Yeah, maybe. You don't know. <laughs> oh, it's not gone in yet. Oh, now it's gone in after João Pedro's bars from over the line. Or maybe my signal is just not very good on my watch. We'll go with that. I've only got two bars. Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the game itself, Watford probably edged in terms of chances. It was definitely better than their last two performances. And it's something to build on for Ivic. Uh, they've got Coventry at the weekend where they should be looking to get three points. Uh, not much you can say from a Stoke perspective. Let down by some dodgy officiating. They've got Reading away at the weekend. Uh, Lau Taylor scored a 97th minute penalty as Forrest won 2-1 against Coventry. I tell you what, the bollocks on that bloke. My God, (laughs) how can you take a 97th minute penalty? And anyone who's not seen Lau Taylor's run up for a penalty, it's not even a run up, it's a walk up. If anyone's never seen Lau Taylor take a penalty, search it out because it is amazing. How he can do that in the 97th minute of a game where your side can win it, I have no idea. He's got some stones on him, Ante. <laughs> yeah, big, big cojones there. It's uh, yeah, strikers have to be arrogant, and I, I like it in strikers. The more arrogant they are, maybe not Ibrahimovic arrogant because he's just a knob. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know the arrogance of Lyle Taylor to do that, and then to give the, the the keeper some stick after the keeper gave him some stick, we'll point out. Um, yeah, you have to have some big. You know, big balls on you and fair enough he's put the chance away and it's given Forrest a win uh, a much needed win and probably in a game that they didn't deserve to win I've got a lot of appreciation for us using four different synonyms there for the word testicles yeah and there's big five there we go. five <laughs> uh, Chris Hewton's first win in five games uh, Justin there were genuinely Forrest fans on Twitter during this game they were saying he should be sacked Lads, he's been in charge. For, he's been in charge for twenty-eight days. <laughs> everyone, everyone, just chill out a bit. Um, you can't accuse Forest fans of being impatient, uh, but it is a much-needed win either way for Mister Uton, isn't it? Because of that winless run that they were on uh, prior to this game. Uh, but Forest, interestingly, lined up with Joe Lolly, Anthony Nokia, and Luke Freeman all in the same team. There's a lot of flair there, but if Uton manages to make it work. That could be very strong in the championship, couldn't it? Uh, but Coventry boss Mark Robbins says his side would have been disappointed with a point. He thinks uh, they deserve more. Uh, I think he might be being a bit greedy because I thought it was a fairly even game. Uh, but Coventry's I, goal, go on. I agree with Mark Robbins. I think, you know, Samba was very, very busy. Made had to make six saves. And obviously Coventry without Matt Godden as well. Put in a top scorer. I think that's a different game. I thought Forrest also had quite a few decent chances um, I don't think there was much difference personally between the two sides but I thought Coventry's goal was very nice a perfect in-swinging cross by Sam McCallum and then Callum O'Hare with the little flick with his head I thought it was beautiful, beautiful. Um, Callum O'Hare actually had a really good game here as well but the Sky Blues couldn't build upon their win against Reading and it's just now one win in eight they've got Watford at the weekend as well so it's a tricky old game in a, side, in a game between two of the sides, I expect to be right up there come the end of the season, Justin. It finished Brentford 1, Swansea 1. Literally, the last bit of action in this game was Andre Ayew heading in what looked to be the winner before it was ruled offside. Um, however, that did end up being the right decision. Fairly even game this. Steve Cooper thought his side should have won it, but Brentford had a couple of big chances that they didn't get on target. But I think both sides would have been pretty satisfied with the points here at the start of the night. Uh, Ivan Tony scored again. He's the first player to score 10 or more goals in the first 10 games of a championship season since 2012, when Charlie Austin got 12 for Burnley. Uh, at his current rate, Ivan Tony is on course to score 46 goals this season. 
Not sure that's going to happen. But he could, e- he could easily get a 30, couldn't he? And only one player has managed to do that before in the Championship since 2004. I was going to say, it's it's a fairly irregular thing to happen. I think Timmy Puki got 29, and the mm. closest that I can remember was, was him. Um, but he's so clinical, definitely. And um, it's a shame that, I don't want to say it, but other players aren't stepping up because this Brentford team, I think they're going to take a little while to get adjusted to this new attacking trio um, compared to last season's. And it's, it's, it's looking that way. But if they start to score goals, this team going forward, like they were last season, can be unstoppable. Yeah, definitely. It, it will help if they sort themselves out defensively. They need to get Janssen back because mm-hmm. if when he's back, he's so important to this side. Just quickly before we move on, can you name the last striker? In fact, the only striker to have scored 30 or more in a championship season? I'm edging towards Nathan Ellington. It's Glenn Murray. I think it is. Glenn oh, Murray for it is. Brighton. It's Palace season. I thought it was Brighton. Either way, it was definitely Glenbury. I can't remember who it was for. Uh, Blackburn nil, Middlesbrough nil. Very one-sided game. Borough will be wondering how they didn't win this. They missed some massive chances and Blackburn hardly laid a glove on them, Justin. It's not something we've said regularly, is it? No, not at all. They've, they've fallen away um, to, well, down to 17th. You know, Still just six points off the playoffs, but you know, early form gave us a bit of excitement for Rovers. But that excitement's now crashed and burned, hasn't it? And it's a bit of a worry for them with just one winning six. Um, and it was always going to be difficult against this Borough side because Borough, as you say, deserved the win. They're very good defensively, you know, but Angel Piers essentially was a lot busier than Bettinelli. Um, and, you know, when it dries up for Rovers, they become a very average team, in my opinion. I will caveat that with the fact that their unavailability list is massive at the moment. I've counted, I think it was 11 players who have or will be missing games this week for one reason or another. And there are some important players on there. Adam Armstrong didn't play in this game. Um, And even though they have got quite a big squad, when you lose 11 players, that's always going to have an effect. The majority of them should be back after the international break, but they've still got Saturday's game against QPR to deal with first. But even though Middlesbrough didn't get the uh, three points here, I can't help but be massively impressed with them. They're now on the longest unbeaten run in England. Uh, having only conceded one goal in their last 540 minutes of football. They definitely want to keep an eye on Justin, especially with Neil Warnock in charge. You can't rule anything out when that man is in charge. Uh, A massive win for Luton as they beat Rotherham 1-0. They've had a tough run recently, have Luton, so needed to get the points on the board in games like this, didn't they? Yeah, and I think more credit needs to go their way. Um, I know their form has been a bit hit and miss over the last six games or so, but the way they've they've turned it around is is fantastic. You know they they currently sit sit ninth, and they've probably got one of the, well probably in the bottom three for budgets, which is I think, I think remarkable in itself. Defensively they're good, conceded just ten, which is between mid table and top six. You know for goals conceded, which is a good place to be. Um, they could score more, but you know no team is is perfect in the league. But going to Nathan Jones, um, their away form under him has been fantastic. They've got they've played nine games under him, won six, drawn one just two defeats in that time got six clean sheets uh, and all six of the wins um, have been without conceding five out of the five out of the six were by one nil scoreline which shows you that that team we, we hark back to it earlier um with derby and um i can't at the start of the start of the episode long time now um but you know it's Sheffield wednesday but it's teams fighting for the manager fighting for the win grinding it out those teams do a lot better and that's what Luton are doing at the moment um, and that tells me that they know how to manage a game um, and I truly think Stoke is a blip for Nathan Jones any other club 
Um, if he'd have gone to any other club, I think it worked. It it worked out for him. Yeah, you mentioned the defensive record there, Simon Sluger. He's on fire. That man is he's a different keeper to the one that we saw last season, isn't he? Also looks a bit like an Aussie rules football player. Don't really know what an Aussie rules footballer looks like, but Simon Sluger looks like it. Plus, he's also built like a tank. I would not mess with him. Uh, starting to get a bit worried now about Rotherham, Justin. I have never really ruled them out of not being relegation candidates. But since they picked up that win against Reading last week, actually since then and before that, they haven't had too much to shout about. Something uh, I'm a bit worried about, really. Yeah, he's spot on. And Paul Warren put it down to overexerting themselves in the derby last week against Wednesday where they beat him 3-0, but they still weren't great at the weekend and obviously not great here. Um, there's much that needs to be improved upon. Um, they need to see games out better, they need to manage games a bit like Luton do. Um, and once they once they sort that out, I think they'll start picking up results, but effectively, I think they're still sort of finding their feet in this league, which has shown you the amount of penalties they've conceded, for example, that have got teams back into games. That's the sort of mistakes that might get, that might not happen in League One, that you get punished for in in the championship. The final game from the midweek games was Norwich nil, Millwall nil. Norwich had more shots in this game than any other side in the championship this season. Uh, you might remember I said that in last week's episode because I did. Uh, Norwich are not shy about having a crack, Justin. Uh, even though Norwich did shoot a lot, most of them were from outside the box and there was only about three or four which actually troubled Bartosz Bielkowski. They couldn't break the deadlock. Millwall didn't create too much either. And we'll probably be happy with a point. Uh, and that's just about it for the midweek episode here on the second tier. Thank you, as always, for listening. Just before we depart you, Movember, we are raising money for men's health. Uh, if you go into the description of this podcast, then you'll be able to find a link to our donation page where we're trying to raise how much, Justin? Uh, three, 350 at least. Yeah, and we're doing all right at the moment, aren't we? We're getting there. Um, Yeah, me and Justin are trying to grow uh, tashes of our own. So far, five days in, uh, not looking too bad. You've got a bit of a fuzz going on above your lip. There's a bit of shade. It's a pathetic start, but I'm hoping within the next week or so, it starts to pad out a little bit. You want to get the boys in at half-time and give them a motivational... Uh, team talk is that it absolutely yeah grab them by the balls Uh, either way if you could please donate wherever you can to our Movember page it would be really really appreciated as I say it's in the description of this podcast and uh, you can also find us on Twitter as well so yeah that's Movember and uh, anything you do will be much appreciated so this is the penultimate episode before the international break we'll be back again on Sunday when we'll be back to give you a review of all the games from the weekend in the championship so make sure you tune in there this has been the second tier podcast i've been ryan dilks i've been justin peach thank you for listening mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.